Welcome to The God Solution, where we discuss answers to humanity's questions about God and God's answers for humanity's questions. I'm Nate Herbst, and I'm excited that you're listening this morning. Well, this morning's going to be an incredible show. You probably remember, if you've listened for much time at all, that we've interviewed Dr. Gary Habermas in the past. He chairs the philosophy department at Liberty University, the largest Christian university in the world. He is known throughout the world as the expert on the resurrection. He's debated atheists around the globe and put them to shame, and he's defended the reliability and the historical trustworthiness of the gospel accounts of the resurrection. I am so excited that he's going to be on the show again today. You could go to godsolutionshow.com, again, godsolutionshow.com, to hear some of our previous interviews with Dr. Gary Habermas concerning the resurrection. Today we're going to be talking with him about something a little bit different than what we've talked about with him in the past, and that is near-death experiences, also known as NDEs. You might be familiar with the movie that's in theaters right now called Heaven is for Real, based on the book, based on the young boy's personal near-death experience. And we're going to be talking to Dr. Gary Habermas about that sort of thing today. Can we really trust these near-death experiences? Are they all equally valid? Are some more valid than others? Are some actually quantifiably accurate? Could we test them in a scientific sense to see whether or not they can be backed up by the evidence? Do certain things happen in those NDEs that even scientists and medical doctors would recognize as impossible from a naturalistic standpoint? It'll be those types of questions that we talk about with Dr. Gary Habermas today. Dr. Habermas has long been one of the NDE experts in this world as well, and he'll talk a bit today in the interview about how he developed an interest in NDEs. But I'm excited to talk to him about this topic, and I've been looking forward to this interview for a few months now. The reality is that I personally have struggled in the past emotionally with the idea of my own resurrection after death. I have no problem whatsoever trusting that Christ's resurrection is a fact of history. Part of the reason that I have such confidence is because of the work of Dr. Gary Habermas and others who have stood on his shoulders, who have confirmed historically that Jesus rose from the dead. So I have no trouble whatsoever believing in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I think from my naturalistic perspective based on my scientific education, my undergraduate degree being in chemistry, it's hard for me to emotionally believe that human beings will rise from the dead as well. I know that Jesus said if I believe in him in John 6:40, he will raise me up on the last day. And knowing and confident that he conquered death, I can trust that even if I can't see it, I know that I can trust him because he's already shown that he can beat death as well. That being said, I'm extremely excited personally to hear some of these near-death experience stories and to hear more evidence that confirms that there is more after this life. I hope you're going to be just as excited as I am to hear Dr. Gary Habermas this morning. Well, again, Dr. Gary Habermas, and you can hear our previous interviews with him at GodSolutionShow.com, is a world-renowned expert on the reliability of the New Testament documents, 
and the authority on the historical evidence for Jesus and his resurrection. He's the Distinguished Professor of Apologetics and Philosophy and Chairman of the Department of Philosophy and Theology at Liberty University. He's authored 39 books, including The Case for the Resurrection of Jesus, which he co-authored with Mike Lacona, who's been on The God Solution as well, Beyond Death, Exploring the Evidence for Immortality, which he co-authored with J.P. Moreland, Did the Resurrection Happen? A Conversation with Gary Habermas and Anthony Flew. Gary Habermas was instrumental in Anthony Flew going from atheism to theism before he died as well. They had numerous debates, which Habermas won. The Historical Jesus, Ancient Evidence for the Life of Christ, The Risen Jesus and Future Hope, In Defense of Miracles, A Comprehensive Case for God's Action in History, Resurrected, An Atheist and Theist Dialogue, Why is God Ignoring Me, What to Do When It Feels Like He's Giving You the Silent Treatment, What's Good About Feeling Bad, Finding Purpose and a Path Through Your Pain, The Thomas Factor, Using Your Doubts to Draw Closer to God, and Dealing with Doubt. He's also been quoted in numerous other books, and he's known around the world as the expert on the evidence for the resurrection of Christ. It's an incredible privilege to have Dr. Gary Habermas with us this morning on The God Solution. Welcome to The God Solution, Dr. Gary Habermas. Thanks for being on the show with us this morning. Hey, Nate. Hey, it's great hearing your voice again. Thank you. It's good to be on. (laughs) So it's been a couple years since we last interviewed you on The God Solution, and I'm curious about what projects you've been working on since then. Well, Nate, I never get very far from the resurrection of Jesus. And, um, I mean, last week I had, I'd have to stop and count, but uh, six, or eight deadli- <laughs> six or eight deadlines in one week. Wow. So... I am doing a lot of things, but almost everything is historical Jesus, resurrection, and I'm really, really hoping uh, in my lifetime to bring out kind of a magnum opus. Um, I'm kind of setting myself up to maybe start it this summer, but a a huge work on the resurrection that will bring a lot of things together. Right now my estimate is in the neighborhood of uh, 3,000 manuscript pages, wow. so it's, it's huge. Wow, well, we'll be looking forward to that one for sure. Well, thanks. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to it, too. In other words, I hope I can get it done. <laughs> <laughs> Me, too. Well, there is a growing interest in near-death experiences. The recent book and movie called Heaven is for Real is just one example, and, mm-hmm. of course, there are others right now as well. I've never really looked into NDEs in the past because I just kind of assumed that NDEs were kind of out there, kind of bogus, kind of who knows what's going on. And I read an essay of yours in Dembski's and Lacona's book, Evidence for God, and decided it would be good to investigate this further by talking to you a bit about it. So why should NDE skeptics give this issue more thought? Well, I, I think they should. And I, uh, I think the reason it's already and has been for years getting a lot of attention, um, I mean, from probably from skeptics more than from Christians, because Christians kind of sometimes keep it at arm's length, and skeptics are just kind of dig right in. But I think the chief reason is because there have been a lot of empirical um, uh studies, sense data type studies, uh, scientific reports on them, and there have been a lot of um, evidential reports 
that have been circulated. In fact, um, one author, Janet Holden, has herself published uh, over 100 evidential cases. Wow. So um, it's, I, I don't have much doubt in my mind that it's the evidential thing that's getting the, the, the attention. But it could also be other things. I mean, who doesn't want to talk about heaven? Who, even if you consider yourself a skeptic or a I-don't-know-what-to-believe kind of person, uh, you know, a little bit agnostic, who wouldn't want to hear a story about what seems like a nice afterlife? I mean, why could that be bad? Why, why would that displease anybody, you know? So I, I'm sure some of the nuts and bolts of heaven type reports, you know, I saw it for myself. I'm sure that's getting a lot of the interest. I have unbelieving friends and relatives who I've seen pick up this book and read this book. So I think you're right. There is some interest even outside of just those that already have a Christian worldview. Did oh, you, yeah. What did you think of that book and or uh, movie, Heaven is for Real? have not seen the movie, um, but I have read the book from cover to cover. And um, it, it's, it, it's a typical... Uh, near-death experience is not, I mean, there's more details for sure than you get in some near-death experiences, but there's others that could be compared to it. Uh, and, and I'm sure critics, I, I'm not really reading reviews of the book or anything to tell you the truth, but I'm sure people will say, well, the fellow's four years old, he's no doubt, um, you know, uh expanded a few of these things in his own mind not maliciously or not negatively or not but 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 you know um all of us interpret our surroundings and so what you're getting is an interpretation um i've heard people say things like that but but um there's enough there to to say that yes this has the earmarks of a normal uh near-death experience his is not heavily evidenced like some are, but there's some interesting stories, like meeting his sister, who uh, was apparently miscarried, if I remember the story, and he didn't know that, and his parents were astounded to hear him say that when he came back, because, I mean, who goes around telling their four-year-old that they used, they would have a sister if they weren't miscarried, you know? Yeah, um, you know, it's not a normal thing. So there's some real interesting things like that. Wow. Yeah, my wife read it. I haven't gotten a chance to read it either, but just curious. So in addition right. to the essay that I mentioned, the one that you wrote in Evidence for God, Lacona's book, you right. also have written with J.P. Moreland on this topic, Immortality, the Other Side of Death, is one book. And listeners can get that on Amazon. What originally interested you in this subject? My interest in the resurrection goes back to the uh, 1960s. And I finished my dissertation. My, uh, I was doing a lot of, gra I did graduate work. Uh, you know, I'm a real old guy, Nate. And uh, <laughs> I, uh, I did my master's degree in 1972. Now, I mean, I was only 21, but uh, I don't want to sound like Santa Claus here. But um, I did essays on the resurrection back then, and I was um, real interested in the uh, in the data and. Right about that time, 1972, I got interested in near-death experiences. And to me, it followed kind of hand-in-hand hand 
with the resurrection. It, it was this sort of thing. If I was going to devote my life, and I was already thinking, leaning in that direction uh, for my master's work, that if I was going to devote my life to work on the resurrection, I would have to check out other phenomena that would purport to be evidence uh, for the resurrection, like, I mean, not to get us off the topic, but uh, like people who say the Shroud of Turin might be Jesus' burial garment, or people who say, well, this isn't the resurrection of Jesus, but it's the resurrection of believers, like near-death experiences. And of all the crazy topics over the years, people have said, hey, check this evidence out, check this evidence out. They're really the only two that I think have some real uh, empirical, evidential evidence that uh, they could be the real thing. And I think the NDE evidence is probably is stronger than the shroud material. So, so to, to answer your question in one sentence, um, my interest in NDEs was as a corollary of uh, and kind of a more generic sister to study of the resurrection. If that, does that make sense? Absolutely, yeah. Okay. In other words, I, I'm interested in the resurrection of Jesus in particular mm -hmm. and life after death slash resurrection of persons in general. So to me, it's a, it's a continuum. It's a, I don't know what you want to call it, a yellow brick road. It's a scarlet ribbon that runs through different fields. But uh, the basic topic is the same. It asks the question, do we live after death? And, and you know what, I'll even go back before this. When I was going through my doubts more than 10 years, which I've I'm told the story over and over again in many places, including on my website, uh, GaryHabermas.com, um, my doubts chiefly centered on whether there was any meaning in life in general and any afterlife in particular. So that probably gives one more little bit of, of insight as to how I got into the resurrection and uh, then just a very short time later, uh, near-death experiences. Yeah, I can hardly think of a more interesting topic. I mean, we all ask those existential questions, what happens after this life? So it's definitely sure. one that, that hits close to home. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The God Solution on KDUR. 91.9 FM and 93.9 FM in Durango and KDUR.org online. You can also get all of our archives at GodSolutionShow.com. So will you describe the different types of experiences that people report? I was unaware of most of these, but there are a lot of common themes and tunnels, lights, out-of-body experiences, etc. Could you please describe some of those different types of experiences that are reported quite commonly? Right. There's been a lot of work done, very serious work, uh, both popular reports, you know, been there, done that kind of reports, and scientific reports where data are gathered and percentages are given. And when people say they went down a tunnel, uh, they saw a light, um, they experienced great love or peace, or they came back not fearing death, um, those are individual um, experiences. Some say they saw an angel or some other supernatural creature. It's very common to say that they were with uh, deceased loved ones and friends. Um, but 
most NDEs do not incorporate like all of these sorts of things. You know, if I numbered them one through ten, uh, some experiences would report one, three, and six, and one might report you know two, seven, and four, and uh, there's a lot of differences. Um, now, and if you if you went back to those reports with with percentages, some of them are more common than others, but none of them are unanimous unanimously reported. I hear there are some group experiences. Is that true? Group? Yeah, well, yes. Now, what sort of group are you talking so about? I heard where? that sometimes relatives of someone that um, dies might have a shared experience, or something along those lines. Have you heard much about that? Well, yeah, I've actually interviewed. Uh, I, I interviewed one person um, who shared a near-death experience with a favorite relative states away. One was in Texas, and one was in the Mid-Atlantic region. And the person who was in Texas had just returned home from overseas and did not know that their relative was in the hospital, most likely dying, and, and as a matter of fact, died later. And so when the person in Texas had a near-death experience, they came back and said, what in the world? I was just with so-and-so, my favorite relative. What's going on? Well, you know, he's dying in a hospital. If that's the kind you mean, yeah, there are a, a number of those sorts of reports. Now, many of them do not have cooperative evidence except that you've got two people in different parts of the country saying, I just met Bob, and the other one saying, I just met Charlie, you know, and um, they both reported. Very so, interesting. Yeah, there's, that's an interesting type of evidence in itself. Yeah, I just briefly heard about that, and my wife, when we were talking about it, said that's exactly what happened with uh, my grandfather. Her mom died of cardiac arrest, and... At the same time, she was in a coma in the hospital, and I guess her, her father, her so my wife's grandfather, her mother's father, was upstairs in the chapel area of the hospital praying for her about five days after the cardiac arrest, and he had this vision of Jesus telling him that he was taking her home, and it was time to stop praying for her, and he went down to talk to the family, and I guess at that precise moment, her mom had died, which was just this interesting experience that she connected with when we heard about these group experiences. Interesting. All right. Can you give specific yeah. medically corroborated examples of any of these near-death experiences? Yeah. And, and let me start by making a, um, a distinction. Oftentimes, near-death experiences are divided into, for want of a, a better term, those that report data, those who say, I saw this or I saw that or I saw the doctors working on me or people pounding on my chest or somebody out in the hallway or something. Um, there are two kinds of experiences just real generally. One of them are earthly-type things. Uh, you know, I saw Bob out in the hallway or the doctor, you know, doctor so-and-so is pounding on my chest. And then some of them are heavenly reports, like the ones I talked about earlier. I saw an angel... Uh, I think it was Jesus, I felt overwhelming love, those sorts of things. The evidential cases, the vast, vast majority of evidential cases are the this-worldly reports, the everyday reports. You know, like, uh, let, let's change your example around. Let's say instead of 
her father being convicted. It was his daughter, right, who had died? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's put it the other way around. The daughter comes back and says, you know, I was out of my body during that surgery or whatever, and I saw Dad upstairs in the waiting room, and, you know, I couldn't believe what he was doing. Well, what do you mean? What was he doing? And she gives some report that, you know, it's not crazy, but it's kind of strange that a a, a relative who was awaiting the good news or bad news about a, a family member in, in, in serious surgery would be doing X, Y, Z. But the person says, what were they doing that for? And, and they report it. And they later ask him, and they say, what, what was he doing? What were you doing? And he says, well, it's a little bit embarrassing, but I was actually doing this. And you go, man, alive, that's exactly the report she just saw. So they're, they're this worldly sorts of things, or the other kind, like you mentioned uh, a cardiac arrest. When you have a cardiac arrest, it's been shown that within uh, 10 to 30 seconds, um, you have no measurable uh, I mean, who knows what's down in the deepest recesses, but you have no measurable heart or brain activity. And so a person who's in that state shouldn't be reporting much because, you know, what goes when there's no act, act brain activity, measurable brain activity, is high function, the highest functions in your brain. And if that person says, well, this is the most meaningful experience I've ever had in my life, it was just wonderful, and, and everybody goes, well, that's nice. You know, you just had a beautiful little, a little, uh, your brain blessed you on the way out. You know, it was it's <laughs> called the dying brain hypothesis. You just kind of got this lift. And the guy goes, no, no, no. I, I, um, I saw what the doctors were doing. I saw, I saw a doctor so-and-so wanted to quit and said, we've been working on him long enough. But, but the other one said, no, let's keep going. And they kept pushing and over in the corner there was this crash cart and one of them kicked it in disgust as they were leaving the room because they were mad they couldn't bring me back and it's like just things like that and they're reporting things when they're as far as we know the higher functions of their brain and heart aren't working they shouldn't be able to report that but the doctors will say yeah that happened all right i'm not proud of it but i did kick the crash cart or and, and some things like that are actually in their medical report wow like somebody will see something that gets written down by the medical doctor who reports the surgery or whatever later. So the evidential cases are this worldly, and that's going to be a key thing that I'm going to return to in the critiques. This is very, very important. They report things in this world that can be checked out the same way the newspaper does. You know, I saw this event at the store yesterday, or this happened at the bank yesterday, and it might be an article for some reason people are interested in. It. They're just reporting facts. Um, and, yeah, I saw this and I saw this and three other people saw the same thing. That's the kind of near-death experiences that are evidential. And I'll just kind of give a, a hint of things to come. It's the heavenly things where someone says, well, I was with an angel. I'm sure it was an angel. Uh, that's a really nice story, and Christians would kind of, you know, would like that to be true. But how do I know you were with an angel? And if you were with somebody, how do I know it was an angel? You know, um, so those kind of interpretations, as is, is much as they may agree with your 
own beliefs, I just I just think, wow, that that that's interesting. But I can't, you know, I can't talk evidence. Mm-hmm. So point. it's the disworldly things that are evidenced, and those are the reports where I was telling you Janice Holden has published an article with over a hundred of those evidential, corroborated, disworldly aspects. That's precisely why I think that's one of the two most important questions, one being do we have any evidence for this? And that's why I think it's worth talking about because it is a devastating critique of naturalism, Absolutely. which is the number one rival to Christianity in the West. I've always emotionally struggled with the idea of resurrection. It's probably my biggest doubt. So by faith, I've chosen for many, many years just to take Christ at his word. He says he can raise me up again in John six forty if I believe in him, and he proved he could do it. So by faith, I trust him, even though it's hard for me to emotionally embrace it, I guess would be a good way to describe it, like what you talk about, about emotional doubt. By faith, I can trust me, and the evidence is so solid for Christ's resurrection. He promised it for me. So golly, I can trust him with whatever he says. And if I struggle with it, that just shows that I have poor reasoning in that area or something like that. So uh, this is exciting for me to kind of like in an emotional sense to hear some of this stuff. I just think there's such a tight corollary between the resurrection of Jesus and the resurrection of believers. I often talk in terms of a direct and indirect argument, and I think they're both very, very difficult to refute, and they're separate. And then if you use an NDE one, that's another one. If you use J.P. Moreland's dualism argument, that's another one. So I think the resurrection of believers is just no issue. Well, that concludes part one of our interview with Dr. Gary Habermas. You'll have to tune in next week for part two of our interview with Dr. Gary Habermas. I know that if you're like me, you're excited and can hardly wait for next week. You can find more about Dr. Gary Habermas at GaryHabermas.com. That's simply G-A-R-Y-H-A-B-E-R-M-A-S.com. He has numerous articles there, a few free books that you can download there, and a ton of information. So go to GaryHabermas.com as soon as you can. Also go to Amazon.com and check out some of his books. It'd be great to buy some of Dr. Gary Habermas's books at Amazon.com. I hope you were encouraged this morning hearing about the near-death experiences and all these different accounts that Dr. Gary Habermas shared. I hope that you recognize that there is more to this life than just this life. Naturalism doesn't work. Materialistic naturalism, the idea that there's nothing more than just the world around us and the universe that we can see, this metaphysical assumption that no spiritual reality exists is false. And NDEs show that to be true. This brings us to the truth of what Jesus said. Jesus tells us that each one of us are loved dearly by God, but that we're sinful and we are separated from God who loves us so dearly. That is a problem because even though we were created to be in fellowship with him for all of eternity, that connection was broken because of our own selfishness. Every single one of us is separated from God because of our own sin and selfishness. Left that way, we would have nothing to look forward to but an eternity separated from him in what the Bible calls hell. The good news, though, is that Jesus says he came and he he died the death that we deserved on the cross, paying the penalty for our sins, so that whoever puts their trust in him would be forgiven, would be made right with God. 
that whoever puts their faith in him would be adopted as his child, being guaranteed an eternity with him in heaven and an abundant life here on this planet. If you're ready to take that step this morning, say, Jesus, I put my faith and my trust in you. I ask you to come into my life to forgive my sins, to be my Savior and Lord. I trust that you died on the cross for my sins and rose again to give me new life. The Bible says the minute you put your faith and trust in him, you're adopted into his family, and you can look forward to all eternity with him as his child and a life of purpose and meaning here on this planet. I hope that you'll take that step today. Visit GodSolutionShow.com to see a list of local churches that you could visit this morning. And while you're there, go ahead and leave us comments about the show and what you'd like to see in the future. Get all of our previous shows there as well. Remember, an open mind, honest heart, humble disposition, and diligent search always lead to Jesus. Thank you so much for listening to The God Solution this morning, and tune in next week for the second part of our interview with Dr. Gary Habermas. Have a wonderful Sunday afternoon. I got stronger, got you higher.